you please stand for the reading of God's word? The scripture passage this morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, which is found in uh, your pew Bibles on page 811. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Christ treasured above all things in Metro West Boston and throughout the world. That's what's Gates' vision. Is it a pipe dream? New England is hard soil for the seed of the gospel. A 2017 Barna study listed Boston as the second most de-churched city in the United States. A 2019 survey listed the region from Boston to Manchester, New Hampshire as the area that was the fifth most post-Christian region in the country. Can we reach Metro West to the point where multitudes are coming to Christ and they're treasuring Christ above all things. It's a daunting task. But it's no more daunting than the task that the disciples faced when they were proclaiming Christ in the city where Christ was convicted of blasphemy, condemned, and crucified. His followers weren't religious Elite scholars or trained speakers. They had a checkered past. They had just abandoned Christ in his hour of greatest need. And yet, under the shadow of the cross, thousands upon thousands came to believe in Jesus. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit fueled by prayer. Let's pray. Our Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us as individuals, but speak to us as a church. May we hear your call of the kingdom. May we hear your call to become a house of prayer. Lord, may it begin with me and with the elders and the leaders. May it filter throughout this church, Lord, that we are transformed this year to, to move forward with our vision that it might move the Holy Spirit and be fueled by prayer. Amen. <clears throat> so how, how can we reach Metro West? We can design strategic plans and devote ourselves to carrying them out. We can gather together and pray and just hope God does it miraculously. 
or we can do both. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We must labor, but our labor is in vain if God isn't behind it building. If he isn't working in the hearts of the people throughout Metro West, if he isn't working throughout our hearts, our labor is in vain. So how do we ensure that it's God who's doing the building and not us doing it by our self-efforts? Well, we need to abide in Christ. We need to remain connected to the Lord. We need to be constantly committed to his word, inspired by the gospel, led by the Spirit, and consistently call on him in prayer. Kingdom prayer. The prayer that Jesus called us to in the Lord's Prayer. And so this morning we're going to look at the beginning of that prayer and see the foundation of kingdom prayer, the motivation for kingdom prayer, and the manner of kingdom prayer. So the foundation of kingdom prayer is the nature of God. We're not calling upon Allah, Krishna, or Baal to build their kingdoms. We're praying, our Father who is in heaven. Prayer opens with a plural, our. It's a reminder to us that we are not lone ranger Christians. That we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Called to serve one another, to build up one another. We are called to the same mission. Glorifying God through the advance of his kingdom so that people do treasure Jesus Christ. Our individual prayer is important. Praying for ourselves, praying for one another. They're all important. But as we're going to see in the book of Acts in a little bit, communal prayer is critical. Prayer for the advancement of his kingdom is what moves God to build his kingdom. Our Father in heaven. It focuses on the God to whom we are praying. As our Father, He's for us. He wants the best for us. He's caring, nurturing. He's our provider, most importantly, of our salvation so that we can have an intimate relationship with Him. He's also our fatherly coach, our director, guiding us to become the people we should be fulfilling our divine purpose, one of which is to reach our neighbors in the world for Christ. We see this in his command in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I've regularly separated that last sentence from the rest of the passage. I comfort myself with these words. 
When I'm going through tough times, I need to remind myself, Jesus said, I am always with you to the end of the age. And we should do that because that's a truth of us. But the context is evangelism. God knows evangelism is difficult. It often leads to persecution. It sometimes even leads to martyrdom. We are not alone. The Lord walks with us. When we, when we share Christ, he is with us always to the end of the age. We need to realize that when we speak of him. Our Father in heaven. When we hear the words in heaven, our minds might go to Isaiah 55, where he said, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are different from ours. His timing is different. We may get frustrated when we don't see fruit, but we need to trust God. Fruit comes in his time. My wife prayed for her father for decades. And we would talk to him about Christ and he would listen, but he'd say, I, I just can't believe. I just can't believe. He got older and older and we felt our, our words were more and more fruitless. Then one day he, he had a stroke and we went down and Karen wasn't feeling well. I would visit him in the hospital and he said, Okay, Bruce, get me out of here. So I said, well, Dad, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. I can't, I can't release you. I'm a spiritual doctor to help people with their souls. Where are you with God? And he said, I'm with God. I prayed the prayer. I said, I went home and I said, Karen, I think your dad's a believer. And she said, you know, I was going through his books and there was a book near his bedstand. It was evangelistic stories of athletes. And there was one page that was dog-eared. I opened it. It was a prayer to receive the gospel of Christ. We had other signs later that showed he became a believer. We thought it could never happen. It didn't happen in our timing. It happened in God's timing. This morning in our 8 o'clock prayer, one person shared the praise that their neighbor came to Christ. He's 99 years old. We can trust God. His ways are different. His thoughts are different. His timing is different. Let's not give up. Nobody is impossible. After all, he saved you. That was impossible. <laughs> he saved me. That was impossible. Nobody is. In heaven also reminds us that when we pray, we're connecting to the one who holds heaven and earth in his hands. He can do anything. Metro West seems impossible to us. It is for us, but not for him. So why should we, why should we reach our neighbors? Well, one motive is Jesus' commands. We already saw it in Matthew 28. Go make disciples throughout the world. Acts 1.5, Jesus commands us. Be, our, be witnesses in, in your city, in your state, in your country, 
near world. A second motive is the compassion that Christ has for the lost that we ourselves should share. Scripture says, He looked at the crowd and felt compassion, for they were as sheep without a shepherd. When we look at our neighbors, what do we see? We should be seeing. They're sheep without a shepherd. Maybe even following false shepherds if they're not following the good shepherd. They're going down the wrong path in life. And they face a frightening eternal future. Jesus feels compassion for them. We should as well. But there's another motive that's greater than those two. And we find it in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. May the world see you and proclaim your holiness, God. May they see how you are separate and above all. May they see you in all your splendor and the fullness of who you are and may they fall down and worship you. God wants worshipers, not because he's self-centered, but because it situates him and us in our rightful places. He is honored and we thrive when we worship him. Jesus told a Samaritan woman, the hour is coming, it's now here. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. We should want God to be honored as he deserves to be. He's the Lord of the universe, incomprehensibly loving and just. He should be recognized and worshipped by the entire world. This was Jesus' passion and it should be ours that we want God's name hallowed. Each convert moves from rejecting, disregarding, or minimizing God to becoming a worshiper of him. His name is hallowed. His name is actually hallowed every time we share the gospel regardless of the response. Because whenever we share the gospel, we are proclaiming the excellencies of God. As Peter wrote, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into the light. When we share the gospel, we highlight the glorious lordship as he is ruler of all. His holy character and that he cannot embrace sin. His unconditional love that moved him to send his son to die for us. His unrelenting justice which led to Jesus satisfying God's wrath on the cross. His astounding grace which is offered to each one of us in his supreme goodness in granting eternal life to us fallen men and women who believe in him. Declare the excellencies of Christ, of the Lord, in the gospel. Let's reach Metro West for Christ so that God's, 
The Father's name will be hallowed and the Son will be treasured above all else. And we start, we begin by praying, God's kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The kingdom of God speaks of both the future restoration of heaven and earth and the present work of the Holy Spirit through his church. Kent Hughes wrote, Over the years, conflicting interpretations have been given to the meaning of your kingdom come. Some have argued this is a prayer for the second coming of Christ, and that's all. It has nothing to do with the present life. Others have seen your kingdom come as a call to social action and nothing else, a mandate to bring in the kingdom now through good works. And there, there are those who have seen your kingdom come as spiritually fulfilled in the salvation of souls. Actually, the correct interpretation and application contains elements of all of these. So we should join Paul in his Maranatha prayers, Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. We should pray for the church to grow in Christ and become his healing presence in this world. And we should pray for his present kingdom to expand through evangelism. Prayer is critical to the expanse of his kingdom. And this is seen in the book of Acts that catalogs the spread of Christianity after Jesus ascended, his disciples, female followers, his mother Mary, and his brothers gathered together. Acts 1 tells us, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. This resulted in God pouring out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and multitudes coming to Christ. And afterwards, the Christians met in their homes as their numbers grew they devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. When the early church was laying too great a burden on the apostles, they appointed seven deacons so that the apostles could devote themselves to teaching and to prayer. When God opened the door to include the Gentiles, both Peter, the Jewish evangelist, and Cornelius, the Gentile convert, were praying as God gave each a revelation. In Acts 4.31, as the believers were praying, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The decision to send out Paul and Barnabas as missionaries was the result of the church at Antioch praying and fasting. Prayer is mentioned 31 times in the book of Acts. The expansion of the church, the advancement of Christ's kingdom was built on prayer and still is. So Westgate, where are we at in our prayers for the kingdom of God? How might we move forward this year in kingdom prayer? We'll pray for ourselves that we might grow in Christ's likeness, exude the character of Christ, be his presence. For our discipleship at Westgate, that we will be building more and more into each other's lives. 
And that we as a church would become more and more the body of Christ in the presence of Christ in Metro West. And then pray for the advancement of the gospel itself, which includes praying for laborers. Jesus did. So he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We can make that our prayer, and we can become an answer to that prayer. Pray that Westgate would have a greater spiritual presence in our community. That each of us would become passionate and driven to reach our neighbors. That God would open doors. He's the one that opens doors for the gospel. That he he would give us wisdom as we share the gospel to meet people where they're living. That our missionaries would reach many with the gospel and pray that the Holy Spirit would move mightily through Metro West, through Westgate and other area churches. How might you help permeate our church with kingdom prayer. Well, consider joining our monthly Pray for the Mission or our weekly prayer times on Sunday morning or Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Or form another prayer group. Include kingdom prayer in your personal prayers in the prayers in your home groups. Come together with a prayer partner or and it build an evangelism community where you support one another in your reaching out to your neighbors. There's many ways we can do this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. In a few weeks, we're going to have our annual meeting and we'll vote on budgets to supply our ministries and board members to lead our church. It's all in vain unless the Lord works through us. The same can be said about every one of our ministries. We cannot produce converts or spiritually mature Christians. God can. He uses us as his instruments. We will plant Water and harvest, but it is always, always God who causes the growth. Our first step in partnering with God is to pray. Let's lay a foundation of kingdom prayer personally and corporately. Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come. Join me in a prayer authored by Brent Ryle. We pray for the church to be holy and shine brightly in a dark world. We pray for reformation to doctrine and unity and love. We ask for renewal of the saints and conversion of the lost by the Holy Spirit. We pray for churches to grow and multiply. We do not simply pray for the success of our own local churches and ministries. Rather, we pray that every nation would be transformed through the power of the gospel proclaimed by the entire church. 
We pray for our family, our neighbors, ourselves, and our enemies. And we do so with reference to the kingdom of grace to which we belong by the mercy of Christ. Amen.